the science show on RN, where we turn to a thrilling place where even babies can thrive and flourish. Well, we like to think of it as a as a place of discovery, a place where children and their adults can come and um, make inquiries together. Early Start, that's the name of the department at the University of Wollongong, which we walked around a few months ago. Babies and toddlers everywhere, with parents, and there's a buzz as they all play together. But there's also research happening at the same time, with Professor Lisa Kirvin and Jessica Mantee. But what have they found? Lisa, give me a wonderful walk around this early start area, which is so enthralling, it's vast. As we were walking in here, two coaches turned up with I don't know how many scores of young children bubbling away. Obviously, you've got the uh, young people's attention in this district, haven't you? We sure do. We're really fortunate to be able to welcome around 2,000 children and families to this facility every week. And when they come in the front door, what do they do? Well, first of all, they have wide eyes and they look around and they scan their different experiences that are there and they make their choices around what it is that they want to play with and what sort of discoveries they'd like to make. And discoveries being all sorts of things, they could be working together, books, or it could be screens. Do you direct them or do they just choose? Mostly our children make the choices themselves. The school group that you talked about this morning, they would be on an education program, so their teachers would have made some decisions around the sorts of experiences they'd like their children to have to connect to the classroom. But most of our children that visit us are between birth and age five, and uh, they certainly make the decisions about where they go. Between birth? <laughs> How young do you take them? The second that they're in this world, we're happy to have them. What do you find out that babies do in education, for God's sake? Well, babies actually do a lot. We have a program on a Tuesday. We call it Tiny Tuesday, Tiny Tuesday Tummy Time. And uh, that's a particular outreach that we have here in the facility where we encourage young babies and their families to come and play with us. So we have an area in the discovery space called Crawler's Bay that has been really informed by our researchers who have expertise in interactions and infants. What have they found out? Well, lots of interesting things. So ways to stimulate and engage babies from an early age, helping families understand the importance of movement for babies. So having them on their tummies and with opportunities to reach out and, and touch things as well. And if you have a look at our Crawlers Bay area, it's really quite fantastic because there's little things that babies can crawl over and have a look inside little pockets to make some new discoveries. There's little ledges that they can use to pull themselves up. Lots of different texts. And, and so on for them to be exploring. And Jessica, you're an Associate Professor of Education here, working on not STEM precisely, but STEAM. In other words, STEM is science and STEAM is science and art. Is that roughly it? That is roughly it, Robin, yes. STEM and STEAM have some great similarities, but if we think about putting the A into STEM and talking about STEAM, we can really think about the arts. And to do that, we can think about things like visual art, dance, drama, music, that kind of thing. But another way that we really like to think about it is to think about 
in those educative experiences that we have with young children, the art and the science of teaching. And so we think about the pedagogies that go around STEAM as well in supporting children from birth through to five to really investigate scientific principles, to use technology, to work with engineering processes and mathematics, but through the arts in that aesthetic way to really capture their stories, their ways of thinking and to solve problems. Well, the early start area where we are, spectacular as it is, and you've been going for a relatively short time, any conclusions so far, work in progress? I know you haven't necessarily published several gigantic papers yet, Mm. but what have you found? Well, we've just started working on project and in the main we're looking at children birth to two and we've been looking at the ways that they can use stories and their understanding about who they are and what they know about. And we've also been using play-based pedagogies so that they can solve some of these science problems that they're looking at. So we've seen a couple of really lovely examples where children very young, almost just sitting up, are able to look at a problem, think about a problem and sort to find a solution to that. And how they work with each other. They notice each other as well. I see some publications on that quite recently. The noticing is enormously important and that's something that we've really noticed is their noticing. Yes, they notice the adults. So there'll be us in the space, I'll have parents, grandparents, etc. And of course they notice those people. And for most adults, they're right in the, the face of the young child anyway and they have that great relationship. But what we also really notice is the way that they engage with other children. And so one really lovely example I'm thinking of was when we were working with some, um, some little robots and the children were creating algorithms to try to make their robot get away from a dinosaur that was coming to get them, right? And one of the little girls, she was just sitting up and pulling herself up onto the table. So she knew she had her robot and her brother and sister, they had their robots and the grandmother was helping and everyone was helping. But what she really did over and over was look back to her brother, look over to her sister and then go back to her robot, pick it up and start to press those buttons again and push that robot along. Over and over and over she did that until finally she had three robots with her because more is better and she was really trying to work with that but she was taking that a lead I guess from those siblings. Of course robots are part of the crowd but it's not the case with screens. The screens is its own immersion. Are young kids of that terribly young age distracted by the screens even when they're so young? We've just had the opportunity to invite many children and families into the space here. So at the moment, we're in the children's technology play space. So we're doing some baseline data collection at the moment where we've got a whole range of different digital type experiences set up in here. And we're really interested to see what sort of interaction the children and their adults have with those digital technologies when they come in. So imagine, if you will, in the corner over here, we've got Bluey on the screen. We've got some digital microscopes over on this table here with a whole heap of nature objects for the children to explore. We have some iPads at the frontier with some some different apps on them that we know that children are playing. We have a speaker that can do some interesting things as well. So a whole assortment of activities in this space. Now, our families tell us that the children will just sit and watch Bluey when it comes to screen time. And that's not been our observation at all. 
we've actually seen that the children notice that Bluey's on the screen, but then they go and do other things as well. And they might be checking in with Bluey from time to time, but it's not that sit-down, sedentary sort of activity that we're led to believe children will. I see. So if you give them the right environment and the choices, they may opt for the good stuff. Absolutely. And that's what we're certainly advocating for in this space is some use of digital technologies in ways that will encourage children to be curious, to make predictions about what might happen, to test out those predictions. And certainly that's the work that we've been doing here in the STEAM project. And Jessica talked about, you know, the use of stories. We set a scenario for children quite recently where it was raining, we've had so much rain around, and we had an assortment of teddies and we asked them to investigate the properties of different fabrics to create a raincoat for their teddy that would keep them dry. And then we had the paddling pool with water, umbrellas, their teddies dressed in the rain raincoats that the children had created for them. And then we videoed what happened using slow motion video when the rain actually hit those raincoats that the children had developed. And we used that as a way to talk to them about the weave of fabrics and, and what can happen in terms of repelling or absorbing the moisture. How do you know that that kind of freedom of choice will be maintained as they grow up? Well, I think that our responsibility here in our facility is to create educative experiences for the children and their adults as well. So adults notice what it is that the children are doing when they come into the space, the types of opportunities that we create for the children, the ways that we use digital technologies. So we would hope that that would then infiltrate what it is that's happening in children's homes and in their education facilities so that there's that real thirst for knowledge and, and the use of digital technologies in ways that allow things that wouldn't typically be enabled. Of course, Jessica, when you go to these homes, you might find that whereas television used to be the babysitter in the old days, it screens now and you can just parcel them off. Well, that is something that we're told about, isn't it? And it's reported in the media a lot. But we know from gaming research that a person will engage in gaming for an extended amount of time if it's bringing them joy and if it's allowing them to connect and allowing them to be part of something. And so when we talk about things like gaming addiction, we know that if there are other things in our lives that do bring us joy and bring us those connections and that sense of belonging, that we won't necessarily stay with gaming or stay with the screen. So what we're talking about here is having something that, yes, Bluey is engaging to watch on the television, but if there's other ways that we can connect and other ways that we can get that joy in our lives, we'll do those things. So when we talk about something being all-encompassing like a screen, it's a matter of showing a child that there are other options as well and that those options will also bring you that sense of belonging, that joy, that opportunity to connect with others. When I was walking down a corridor at this university, um, not in this building, not your building, I was being passed by, I think about oh, seven or eight students separately, everyone holding a phone and looking at it. <laughs> it's incredible. It is incredible, isn't it? And you may have passed staff as well. They're not necessarily all students. I guess that's part of the multitasking as well, that you think, oh, well, I'm walking from here to there. What's the building I'm supposed to be at? What time am I supposed to be there? I mean, we make assumptions about why young people and children use screens and yet how often do we ask them what it is that they're doing on their phone? And finally, is it any person who wants to come along? It's open to the public every day of the week. An amazing experiment at the University of Wollongong. Associate Professor Jessica Mantee and Early Start Director Professor Lisa Kirvin, who herself was once a schoolteacher. 
ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.